America's healthcare advocate, Carrie Hall. Hello, America. Welcome to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. Our producer, Mr. Darren Wilhite. I'm your host, Carrie Hall. This is your show, America. Thank you for joining us and making us one of the most listened to talk shows throughout the United States. Our latest numbers on YouTube and our podcast platform, we had 58,000 downloads on the podcast in the last, I believe, six months. And our YouTube downloads or views are 251,000. That's all of you in this listening audience who are going up on YouTube and the podcast platforms. And those platforms, by the way, are Spotify, Stitcher, Spreaker, SoundCloud, um, tune in Amazon Music, RSS Podcast, Pandora Podcast, Google Podcast, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Odyssey Podcast, Rumble, Apple Podcast, and YouTube. I mean, it is remarkable how this thing is growing. And obviously, all of you listening on the radio stations across the country, AM and FM, we greatly appreciate you. So thank you again. Uh, we continue to try to bring content to you that's interesting and informative, and that's our job here at America's Healthcare Advocate. If you have any questions about Medicare, if you are chronologically challenged and you're looking to enroll in Medicare, maybe you're not happy with what you have, you give the wonderful ladies, Carol Lee Steele or Joyce Thompson at Benefits by Design, RPS Benefits by Design, a call, 877-385-2224. Look, if you just want to talk to somebody, they're happy to do that. They'll be happy to walk you through. If you're trying to enroll and you're confused about the alphabet soup of Medicare, A, B, C, D, all the rest of it, they can help you with that. They're happy to do it. It's not a high-pressure sales program. They're there to consult and help and advise, and they're happy to do it for you. 877-385-2224, anywhere in the country. And if you're an employer, especially if you're an employer with a small group, small employer market, 50 lives or less, and you're looking for help, give Maria Allers a call at RPS Benefits by Design. She's a specialist in group health insurance, and she's happy to help you. Again, 877-385-2224 or the website rpsbenefitsbydesigninc.com. Okay, this is one of our cornucopia shows, so named by my producer, Darren Wilhite. Thank you, Darren. Multi-topic, and that's what we're going to do today. So here are the topics we're going to talk about today. There's a new vaccine for RSV. We're going to talk about that. It's for all of us seasoned citizens out there. We're going to talk about drug approval. There's a brand new drug approval process for people with rare diseases. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about America's chronic illness situation. More than half of the country suffers from chronic illnesses. And then the part that I think you're going to find most interesting, Michael Milliken wrote a fascinating piece in the Wall Street Journal. We're going to go through it called A Medical Revolution is Underway. You know, I talk about some of these things I have in the past about how cancer care and other kinds of care are advancing in this country. He did a fabulous job of putting all this together, and I can't wait to share it with you. And then last but not least, we're going to talk about what's going on in Europe with uh, prescription drugs drug medications, and how drug uh, providers are pulling out of Europe uh, because they're not able to make enough money to cover the cost of their prescriptions. So there's some interesting things going on. But let's get started. We'll start with the RSV uh, virus and this new um, vaccine that's out. So GSK PLC said Wednesday that the Avery respiratory virus vaccine for older adults has been approved by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration for the prevention of lower respiratory tract disease. This is RSV. And if you've had this, it's nasty. I had it last year. It took me at least eight weeks. It could have been longer than that. It was a very difficult time. Hard, 
was sleep and all the rest of it. it the infection got in my lungs. It was very hard to get rid of it. And, it, and this vaccine is going to make a big difference. The vaccine finished phase three trials that show exceptional efficacy for older adults. It is the first for individuals that are 60 or older. So all of us that are 60 or older, I'm 74 now, by the way, I had a birthday. Okay, this is going to make a big difference for us. And I know all the controversy around vaccines, but let me tell you something. I'm going to be the first guy in line to get this one because I went through this and it was hell and I did not enjoy it. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what this vaccine can do. In the trial, the vaccine showed statistically significant, clinically meaningful overall efficacy, including among those with underlying medical conditions. So like me, if you have asthma, which makes this 10 times worse, that's part of what this trial was about to make sure that this vaccine is going to help get rid of that, and you're not going to have that issue to deal with um, with, with regard to RSV. So they, 14,000 people a year die um, from uh, infections of the RSV infection. So it's pretty serious, and you need to know about it. So the next thing we're going to talk about is drug approvals widen for rare disease treatment. So what happened was the federal regulators uh, – came up with a brand new way to approve drugs that have a debilitating effect on people. And this one started out, uh, Riata Pharmaceuticals put a drug in place that treats free, Friedman's disease, Friedrich's disease, okay? Now, this is a very rare disease. It's only about uh, 15, 20,000 people a year get this, but it's devastating. It affects the spinal cord. It's very, very difficult. And what happened was they had a single trial that they had done. There were three trials at, at FDA. They did a single trial that showed this particular drug had a tremendous effect on people that had this disease. The problem was the FDA wanted more data. So what these people did was pretty interesting is they went back last year and they took that single data and they turned it into a, a, a complete research and data of all the data that had been gathered on this on this particular disease over the last like 20 years. So what what they did was they showed that the causes of the pro and progressive damage of the spinal cord, muscle weakness and movement problems that often kill people by the age of 35. That's how dangerous this is. So Riata admitted additional data, including an analysis of so-called data from natural history study that continued to collect information about patients for more than two decades. So for 20 years. So they went out and they gathered all that data and they brought it in. And <clears throat> the data created by Patient communities can be a regulatory grade, said Annie Kennedy, Chief Policy of Advocacy and Patient Engagement for the Everlife Foundation, a rare disease not-for-profit advocacy group. This approval is proof that that principle works. So what they did is they gathered the data, they gave it to uh, the FDA, and the FDA took that along with the phase one trial, and they approved this medication. So the FDA typically requires results from two clinical trials demonstrating the drug's efficacy to ensure positive results in one trial are, are replicable in the other trial. So that's why they want two. Normally, they actually ask for three, but in this case, they're saying it's two. With the rare conditions, finding that patients can run through two clinical trials in order to be able to allow this drug to be brought to market. So what happened was this new method of doing this gets rid of that. Okay, and it allows uh, the FDA to approve these drugs in a very timely manner, which has not happened in the past. So, you know, it's great to see that we have progress here um, from the FDA and that this is starting to change the way things are done. So, you know, we're talking again, you know, this this RSV vaccine was improved in record time. 
So next year, by the way, that's going to be out in 2023, at the end of 2023, hopefully in the fall when all this starts over again. And this particular approval that we just saw, that I just talked about, um, for these rare diseases, this is going to affect the way they approve them because they're letting them go back and get historical data that then allows them to take that with one trial and go back to the FDA and say, can we get approval on this so that people can start doing it? And when you think about it, I mean, this this particular disease, this Friedrich's disease, uh, th- this is drastic. I mean, it causes progressive damage to the spinal cord, muscle weakness, and movement problems, and often kills people by the age of 35. I mean, if, if there's a way to stop that and arrest that, and this medication can do that, obviously the FDA making this approval is a really big deal. So, all right, when I come back from the break, we're going to move on and we're going to talk about more than half of Americans have chronic disease problems. I was shocked when I learned this and I read this particular article about half of the people in this country. So you got 385 million people and they're saying half of us have chronic disease problems. So, you know, you wonder why health insurance premiums are going up. You wonder why the cost of drugs and all the rest of it continues to go up. Well, this is part of the reason, okay? It's a big driver of healthcare costs. In fact, it's a huge driver of healthcare costs. On average, $6,000 annually per person because of chronic disease. When I come back, we'll get in the weeds on that one and explain how that's happening and what you can do to help arrest those issues and not become part of that group that that has chronic illness in this country. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting here on the HIA radio network, coast to coast across the USA. Stay right there. The Golden Rule. Treat others as you want to be treated. I'm Steve Keeker, and this is one of the founding principles of my firm, Senior Care Consulting. Since 2002, our value statement has included honor our mother and father, respect our elders, care for those in need, and treat your family as our own. We've been honored to help hundreds of families make one of the most difficult decisions they could ever make, serving them in their greatest time of need. If you're looking for someone who can provide you experienced and objective guidance when searching for a senior care community, reach out today and discover the services of Senior Care Consulting at 913-945-2800. 913-945-2800. Know your options and choose with care at SeniorCareConsulting.com. Welcome back to America's Healthcare Advocate. I'm your host, Kerry Hall, our producer today, Darren Wilhite, and the man behind the camera, Dave Thiessen, videotaping all of these shows, and he posts them up on all 14 of those podcast platforms and YouTube for you to view and or listen to. By the way, if um, you know, if if you're suffering from concussion issues or dementia or Alzheimer's, maybe you're a provider, maybe you're a you're a chiropractor, an MD, a nurse practitioner, you might want to take a look at the Wobby Brain Scan. Go to neurologic.life, that's neurologic.life, and take a look at the information up on that website. The Wobby Brain Scan is an amazing tool. It takes about 30 minutes to do it. It is billable in CPT codes up to like $350, $400 if you're a provider. Uh, you can also set it up on a cash pay basis. So either way, it's something, it's a tremendous tool, provides you with dramatic information. Concussion protocol, you, before you send a kid back to play, you really should have a Wobby Brain Scan to see what that brain looks like not use some subjective form that allows them to go back and play and maybe get a second concussion when they weren't ready in the first place. 
the website, neurologic.life, or you can call Steve Sanborn at 816-337-8558, 816-337-8558. He'll be happy to chat with you. All right, so this section of the show today, this is a multi-topic show that I did, we're going to talk about the $4.1 trillion we are spending in healthcare. You know, you hear a lot about the European model for healthcare. They don't spend the kind of money we do on healthcare. Well, evidently the Europeans are a lot healthier than we are because they don't seem to have a lot of these issues that we have. And a lot of our issues seem to be caused by lifestyle. This particular article that I'm re- referencing here comes out of the Epic Times, E-P-O-C-H, interesting newspaper uh, that does a lot of stuff on healthcare that I find very interesting. So this particular one, go- it talks about the individual level and the price tag uh, doesn't look good right now, okay? Estimates for the treatment and management of chronic condition disease, as I said earlier, $6,000 per person per year. For example, if you have type 2 diabetes, you're often checking with your provider three to four times a year. That's $300 a visit. Visit, rather. Then on top of that, you have labs and you have prescription drugs. So it's not hard to figure out how you get to that number. And type 2 diabetes in this country, along with type 1 diabetes, is at an epidemic level right now, especially among seasoned citizens. So this all adds up. Uh, nurse practitioner Lola McLean uh, goes on to tell uh, the folks at Epic Times that especially those related to metabolic disorders like type 2 diabetes, hypertension, hypoglycemia, mental health conditions, and anxiety and depression are serious problems that we see in the chronic disease category. Indeed, she says, I've noticed an uptick of patients with chronic diseases, particularly those with respiratory issues, such as asthma. What did I talk about in the earlier segment when I talked about the RSV vaccine? Okay. All right. A chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, CPOD. Folks that smoke, CPOD is a big issue. Landry is a licensed registered respiratory therapist and the founder of a platform Respiratory Therapy Zone. So this woman obviously knows what she talks about. They go on to talk about cause and effect. And this is what's interesting. Healthcare professionals say many of the chronic diseases are a byproduct of an unhealthy lifestyle, diet, and excessive stress. So, you know, think about that for a minute, okay? Think about our diet. You know, we talk about the, you know, how this, how we compare. A lot of times you hear, well, the Europeans don't spend what we spend on healthcare. When you look at France, you look at Italy, you look at Germany, well, they eat a different diet than we do. You know, they, they don't eat the amount of fast food that we do. They don't eat the amount of processed food that we do. Um, <clears throat> so when you think about that, that has an effect on this, all right? Keep going. Heart disease. So they, these are called lifestyle diseases. Heart disease, obesity fall under this heading. While certain illnesses may not stem directly from unhealthy life choices, they're made significantly worse. Diseases such as diabetes, certain cancers, and inflammatory conditions like asthma are all under the umbrella to a greater or lesser extent. So that goes back to lifestyle. So what do you do about it? Okay, what do you do? Well, you know, you stop eating processed foods, all right? And you stop eating things made with sugar and flour, and you try to eat more healthy. Uh, that means you don't get Dunkin' Donuts every day on the way to work, okay? Or you don't stop and wolf down that Big Mac along with a large order of fries and a Coke, okay? Because, hey, I love Big Macs, and I love hamburgers, and I love donuts, okay? And yes, I do eat them, 
I eat a donut once a week on Saturday morning before I go to my men's group class. Okay, that's that's my one donut a week. Okay, I had a Big Mac about two weeks ago, and it was the first time I had a Big Mac probably in at least a year, maybe longer. Okay, so you can't make a regular habit of this stuff, and that's part of the problem. I walked the other day. I was at a doctor's office, and I walked watched one of the ladies who worked at the front desk walk in. She had a giant bag of French fries french fries and hamburgers and she was walking in to to start her day and i'm thinking to myself that's what she's going to eat for breakfast and she's working in a doctor's office i mean you know and she was significantly overweight so this is part of the problem it's lifestyle has a lot to do with this so you know back to what do we do about it stop with the processed foods stop with the sugar start with the with and stop with the salt okay and they go on to talk about the main factors and this includes um tobacco Stop using tobacco. Sedentary lifestyle. How much time are you spending sitting in front of the television or in front of your computer playing around on Facebook or whatever it is you're doing? Get out and get active. Get up. Get out and get active. Start walking. If you do nothing more than walk. You know, every morning I get up, I I do my routine around the house because I get up before Lori does. I actually empty the dishwasher, if you want to know, and make the coffee. But then I take our corgi. Uh, out and we walk. So that's usually 5 36 o'clock in the morning and we walk and we do a pretty good sized walk. It's not a long way. Okay. And then in addition to that, you know, I do yoga, Pilates, and I work out three times a week. If it's all possible, I'm in that gym three times a week working out. That's part of the reason why, you know, I see myself as being reasonably healthy. But if you don't do any of that, and if you continue to ply yourself with sugar, salt, fast foods, you don't exercise, you're going to have these issues. That's why we're talking about half the people in this country are chronically ill. And if you want to talk about why the cost of health insurance, because we love to complain and bitch about the health insurance companies and what they're charging. Well, here's your answer, okay? $4.1 trillion because the insurance companies get to cover those claims, all right? So, you know, when you have that heart attack, when you have that stroke that could have been prevented, if you had made a lifestyle change two years, three years, four years before that, that that claim, which is several hundred thousand dollars, all the rest of it, that heart surgery that you had to have, is that all comes out in insurance premiums. Money you put in goes to pay those premiums. Those premiums for you put in for premiums go to pay those claims as they come out, and therein lies the problem. Okay, so that's what's happening, and, and Americans need to. I've talked about this before. You know, that's why I do shows with Dana Goodale, okay, who did a sh- was on our show here last week. Um, exercise and getting out and becoming active is critically important. And as you age, it becomes even more important, okay, because your body slows down, your metabolism slows down, and you cannot con- continue to consume large amounts of foods like that and then not do anything to offset that with some kind of exercise. So, you know, I talk about this often. I'm talking about it again because I think it's something people need to pay attention to. And by the way, if that happens to be your mother, your father, your grandmother, your grandfather, you need to have that conversation with them and help them understand that. Here's some foods, by the way, that can actually help you. All right. Celery root. Actually, it's very good stuff. Garlic foods, onions. How about that? Okay. Leeks, another cottage cheese, Kimchi, which has a terrible smell, but it tastes pretty good. Okay, quality yogurt and tempa, which is kind of like a soy 
being uh, processed food that you can eat that is, is really quite good for you. A lot of people eat it in place of meat. So those are some things that you can do. Um, they might be helpful to you, and they certainly are going to help you change your lifestyle. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting here on the HI Radio Network, coast to coast across the USA. When we come back, we're going to talk about that medical revolution that is underway. Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. Once again, if you are chronologically challenged, a seasoned citizen looking for Medicare, give those folks a call. The lovely Lois Johnson, Joyce Thompson, or Carol Lee Steele at RPS Benefits by Design. Anywhere in the country, they're happy to help you. 877-385-2224. 877-385-2224. And all of our shows are on all 14 of those podcast platforms I mentioned earlier in the show, along with YouTube. A lot of folks are going up there to listen to them after we post those shows. Dave does a great job and gets them up there every week. All right, this this particular piece was fascinating to me. It's called Another Medical Revolution is Underway. If you don't know who Michael Milliken is, he's the junk bond king from a number of years ago, um, had his issues, but he has become quite a philanthropist and uh, gotten very involved in the medical community. So he published this article in the Wall Street Journal, and I thought it was absolutely fascinating. And I waited to do this uh, until I was going to have time to go through it and talk about what is going on. You know, I've talked in this broadcast multiple times about the advances in medicine and how we in this country are very, very far ahead of most of the rest of the world, maybe with the exception of Israel. Okay, I would say medical advance in this country is very, very different than it is in most of Europe, certainly different than it is in Asia and other places. But let's let's move on here. So this is Michael Milliken. Polio was such a threat in the 1950s that American people thought the need there was going to be a need to build iron lung hotels that would bankrupt the nation. In 1987, Oprah Winfrey told her TV audience, one in five heterosexuals will be dead from AIDS in three years. How about that? Senior California officials in March of 2020 warned that half the state's 35 million residents would be infected with COVID in two months and that 5 million would need hospitalization and overwhelm the fewer than 100,000 available hospital beds. None of that came to pass, by the way. None of those issues came to pass. But that, that's, that, that's the kind of thinking that we've had in this country about certain kinds of diseases. You know, we sometimes forget, recent, as recently in the 19th century, that people suffered through gruesome surgeries without anesthesia, childbirth without antiseptic procedures, and in part of the 20th century, as we know now, was very slow to make progress when it came to issues of disease control and medicine. Well, that's changed now. So let's talk a little bit about this. Science now allows us to respond to healthcare crises with antibiotics, polio vaccines, statins, uh, uh, genomes, genome sequencing, immunization therapies, monoclonal antibodies, antiviral cocktails, uh, robotic surgeries like the Da Vinci robot, which I've talked about on this broadcast in years past, advanced nutrition, and powerful new diagnostic scans focused on ultrasound, artificial intelligence, and CRISPR gene editing and, in, and mRNA vaccines. mRNA vaccines are the COVID vaccines. And then new um, RSV vaccine that I mentioned earlier 
is an mRNA vaccine. Brand new way to make vaccines much more effective than what we've done in the past. Those are some of the things that we're doing now. So how does all that work? Okay, uh, Medicine over the past half century has been stunning in terms of its advances. For heart disease has been cut in half. AIDS is increasingly controlled. Cancer deaths are heading down. Several hereditary defects can be confected. And COVID vaccines were delivered in record time. Nine months for those COVID vaccines. That, that's how fast that was done. 20 years ago, the idea of exporting a live cell in, the human, in, in humans and directing it to travel to a spe- specific location and having to do a specific task would have been considered impossible. Today, that is a reality. And hundreds of companies are working on cell therapy applications. Well, think about that a minute, okay? That means that you're going to be able to direct cells to go in and kill cancer cells or or able to go in and kill. This is the kind of thing that we're doing. This is how fast medicine is advancing. We hear a lot of bad news. This is a lot of good news. And I think sometimes we forget about that in this country and it's not talked about enough. So that's one of the reasons why I'm doing this. We can reasonably speculate therapies that will give the ability to clean tiny cancers from our bodies as routinely as going to a dentist to clean your teeth. Think about that for a minute. okay? so maybe uh, a melanoma, maybe some other kind of a small cancer can be routinely taken care of uh, in a doctor's visit. I mean, does that not sound amazing? When you think about that, maybe it's a biopsy to go into an intestine and get a cancerous tumor out of the intestine, that kind of thing. That's where we're going with this. He, he goes on to say, the driving force behind this, behind this progress is the outstanding advancement of our ability to produce, manipulate, store, re- retrieve, and transmit data faster, cheaper, and in more communicable data that has revolutionized, has revolutionized medical research. No longer is it a single scientist sitting in a laboratory trying to figure out something. Now it's a collaborative effort. Let me give you an example of that. So we've had multiple um, Alzheimer's drugs, and I've talked about them on this broadcast, that have come out and failed. And so you think, well, okay, it failed, so they move on to something else. But what happens to all that information and data? Well, all of those companies, Biogen, Pfizer, go down, Bayer, go down the list, they're sharing that information now. This is a classic example, and we're starting to see breakthroughs with Alzheimer's because they're sharing the data. They're sharing the information for everybody's good, and that's part of what he's talking about here and how this works, okay? So he goes on to say, all right, science now is a team activity. Cancer studies, the primary investigator behind any advanced, uh, any many advanced might reply on the, on specialized skills of radiation oncologists, disease special biologists, evolutionary ecologists, and a biophysicist, a geobiophysicist, and an evolutionary dynamic expert. I mean, he just named five different practices, five different categories where these very specific scientists and doctors are collaborating to do a better job. I mean, if that's not revolutionary, I don't know what it is. I remember years ago going into the first cancer treatment centers of America Hospital in Tulsa, Oklahoma, when I started doing radio with them. The first thing that knocked my socks off when I came in was the way they did their care, where it was total care. There was a team a team of doctors, including a nutritionist, a psychologist. Uh, it was remarkable to me the stuff that they were doing, okay? They, they were helping people take certain kinds of vitamins, eat certain things. They had, they had pain management. They had the oncologist. They had the MD. They had a psychiatrist. They, they had counselors. 
all of this came together. Well, this is the same thing on a much higher level that we're talking about now, but now we're talking about the ability to develop all these therapies and what they're doing. The new computational tools are accelerating progress in every corner of medicine. Physicians can target cancers more precisely with the right drugs and the right amounts at the right time with fewer side effects because they can now sequence the art of uh, to the actual tumors and scientists understanding the immune system and the components of the microbome have grown uh, by great orders of magnitude. So again, what they're saying is that we're, you're seeing these targeted cancer cures that are going in and targeting a tumor and killing the tumor. Okay, this is all part of what's going on. This is part of how we are advancing in medicine to places we have never been before. He goes on to say our increased ability to sequence gut microbes allows more precise nutrition. So you're recovering from cancer. They're, They're telling you this is what we need to do for your microbome, okay, and and here are the things you need to do to improve your nutrition so you'll recover quickly. He closes this with this, okay? Uh, as one of the pharmaceutical executives told him, the next great drugs will be will be prediction and prevention. The next great drugs will be prediction and prevention. So the drugs are going to predict Okay, and they're going to prevent simultaneously. Think about that. The more we resolve to focus on such social determinants of health, the more we will reap the amazing benefits and revolutionize life sciences. I thought this is one of the most remarkable things I have read in a long time. I've invited Mr. Milliken to come on the show. Uh, we'll see how they respond. Um, I've sent him some information. We'll see if they respond. But I thought this was absolutely fascinating. And I think it's important, you know, I contrast that with what I just did in the last segment where I talked about half of the America, half the people in this country with chronic disease. And then I talk about this. Okay. So, you know, there is a bright light at the end of the tunnel. Okay. And um, it's remarkable what we're doing in this country. And by the way, the majority of that work that they're talking about here is going on in the United States. And in the, in the next segment, when I talk about what's happening uh, with drugs in Europe, you're going to understand why. Um, that healthcare in those countries doesn't allow for this kind of research and advancement that we have in this country. Israel's an exception to the rule, okay? But in Europe, that is not the exception to the rule. And so most of that is happening here. And when I talk about that next section, uh, in, in the next section of the show, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about where the money's going to do this kind of advanced work, and you'll find it very interesting. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting here on the HI Radio Network, coast to coast across the USA. We've got more right after the break. Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA here on the HI Radio Network. By the way, um, if you are a provider out there um, and you deal with any of these issues, concussion protocol, dementia, Alzheimer's, uh, sleep disease, sleep issues, uh, PTSD, any of that, um, you really should take a look at the Wabi Brain Scan. Go to the website, neurologic.life. That's neurologic.life. Or call Steve Sanborn at 816-337-8558, 816-337-8558. If you go up on that website, there are videos up there. Dr. Frank Palermo, Dr. Moab Zavi, who's an expert in concussion protocol. Frank Palermo, a world-renowned physiatrist, talks about what Wabi does and, and how it can be applied uh, for diagno- not di- for predicting, if you will, uh, dementia, Alzheimer's, et cetera, those kinds of things, those conditions, and how it can be used to measure the effectiveness of medications for people that are treated for anxiety, depression, PTSD. Now, 
that's all part of it. Here's the thing. It's FDA approved, both the software and the device. And um, you can bill it on CPT codes. Um, the scans can be billed for anywhere from $150, $200, all the way up to about $400, depending on the code and how you do it. It takes 30 minutes to do it. It's a simple helmet, okay, and a, and a small computer, and it produces an amazing number of reports. 37 separate reports you can pull in off that Wavi scan. Um, so if you're a chiropractor, if you're an MD, a nurse practitioner, um, whatever the case may be, the Wavi scan may be something you want to take a look at. The website, neurologic.life, neurologic.life. All right, so this is interesting. You know, we, we like to throw rocks at the drug companies. Now, you just heard me in the opening segment talk about a brand new medication that's out um, for RSV, that's for those of us that are seasoned citizens, okay? By the way, that was developed here, okay? So we like to talk about, you know, so we've got Democrats and Republicans. In, 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 in Congress <clears throat> talking about they want to impose the same restrictions on cost that they have in Europe, okay? And that that's a solution to driving down drug costs. And I just told you in the other, other segment, what's really driving this stuff is chronic disease, okay? It's not the drugs, it's chronic disease, okay? And the drugs are being used to treat chronic disease because people won't take responsibility for a lot of these things. Um, and therefore, they need the medications because they're not doing the things they should do. In some cases, don't, don't misunderstand, I take prescription drugs, there are a lot of prescription drugs that are necessary, but the, but the effect is compounded. But the, the solution for the politicians is to go out and we're gonna import the European model. Well, here's, I've, I've talked about this for a long time how be careful what you wish for. So this is in the Wall Street Journal. The West self the West the West drug self sabotage, okay? Goes on to talk about Democrats and Republicans want to import Europe's drug price controls. So it's worth observing uh, Europe's raid on drug makers to bolster ailing national health systems and reduce pharmaceutical investments and access to treatment. So the latest alarm came this week from ABVI, ABVI and Eli Lilly. They're pulling out a voluntary agreement with the UK government aimed at reducing drug spending. The ABVI executive said the government's policies are harming us, our ability to operate and sustain in the UK. So the UK system is having all kinds of problems, all right, and has had for a very long time. The weights for surgical procedures, all the rest of it. I had lunch with an executive the other day uh, who told me that HCA hospitals, one of the largest for-profit hospital chains in this country, actually has a large number of hospitals in the UK, and he said they're busy all the time because it's private pay. They don't want to wait. People don't want to wait for the government system because it's not working. Well, the same thing applies to the drug issue. So let's keep going. All right. <clears throat> the British National Health Service, NHS, imposes price controls on drugs that reduce their cost by an average of 60 percent versus America. The UK law also requires drug makers to pay 24.4 percent rebate. So they have to reduce the cost by 60% and pay a 24.4% rebate on revenue from branded name drugs. This levy on top of the NHS price controls discourages drug makers from selling treatments in the UK. So what does that mean? It means that drugs that you can get here, you cannot get there, okay? Because the drug companies can't do it in order to make a profit to stay in business there, so they're simply not gonna sell them there. And now, if, Think back on something. We had an Alzheimer's drug here done by Biogen a couple of years ago. It was a breakthrough drug. Only probably helped about 35% of the people. Got pulled off the market because Medicare and the VA refused to pay for it. So they couldn't make enough money to, to, 
to sell the drugs. They just pulled it off the market. Now, the private insurers were paying for it, but those weren't. So that's kind of an example of how that happens and has happened to this country. This goes on. Eli Lilly and AbbVie last week withdrew the 2019 agreement, and Bristol-Myers Squibb warned the U.K. that levies might cause them to de-invest in the country. An executive from the Germany's Bayer said last week it is reducing its footprint in in the UK and Europe to a large degree. This is what's going on with their price controls. They go on to say, the European government's trying to create incentives for research and investment, but they're making our lives miserable on the commercial side. This is what the pharmaceutical executives are saying. While Europe boasts a handful of pharmaceutical powerhouses, venture capital is flowing into biotech startups in the US. That's where the money's going, okay? And some of it's going to China, okay? The result will be less investment and success of life-saving treatments uh, for these new medicines that are coming about in Europe. And in Germany, 59% of the UK, 50% of France and Italy. Uh, Bluebird Bio in 2021 said it's winding down its operations in Europe and it's withdrawing therapies for rare diseases. Now, I just did a piece on rare disease in the beginning of this thing, okay, on Friedrich's disease. They're pulling out rare disease therapies. They're expensive, okay? So they're pulling out. They're not going to have it. So if you have Friedrich's disease and you happen to be in Europe, you may not have access to that medication. Why am I doing this? Okay, I'm not, I'm not an apologist for pharmaceutical industry. They make a lot of money, okay? But they create drugs like that RSV vaccine that are very important. There, there has to be a balance here, people, and there isn't one. You know, the easy thing for politicians to do is throw rocks and 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 say, well, we're going to put in price controls. Well, think twice, okay, because you may get what you're wishing for and you may not like it after you get it. And that's one of the problems with some of the rhetoric around cost controls on health care in this country. Thank you for listening to America's Healthcare Advocate. And now I leave you with this thought from Albert Einstein. The one who follows the crowd to usually get no further than the crowd. The one who walks alone is likely to find himself in places no one has ever been. Remember, friends, it's a funny thing about life. If you refuse to accept anything but the very best, you most often get it. Thank you for listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting here on the HIA Radio Network, coast to coast across the USA. Goodbye, America.